Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. So Ephesians chapter 4, 1 to 6, as Shane uh, already shared, we'll build on this just uh, and uh, draw out a few things for us this morning. From the Passion Translation says, As a prisoner of the Lord, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank given to you in your divine calling. This is awesome. Every one of you has got a high rank. It's been given to you through your relationship with God. It's been given to you by the Spirit of God. There's not different ranks within the body of Christ. It's one rank. It's the Spirit of God in every believer and the Spirit of God living through every believer. We are all equal. We are all brothers among brothers, sisters among sisters. We are all leaders among leaders. Now, all of us are functioning in different capacities and all of us have maybe uh, matured to the manifestation of God's spirits in various ways. Right? Paul talks about this, that there are those who are only feeding on milk and then those who have not matured to the meat yet. And so there are a maturity, there is maturity aspect, but in the spirit, all of us are equal and we need to see ourselves as equal. Now back to uh, Ephesians 4, verse 2. With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love towards one another. This is family, it's creating this family picture. Always demonstrate gentleness and generous love towards one another, especially towards those who may try your patience. Be faithful to God. Highlight, be faithful to God, be faithful to protect the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace, being one body, one spirit, as you were all called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. For the Lord God is one, and so are we. For we share in one faith, one baptism, and one Father. And He is the perfect Father who leads us all, works through us all, and lives in us all. That's awesome, verse six. And He is the perfect Father who leads us all, not just Etienne. Not just Shane, he leads us all. Each one of you sitting here partaking together, whether online, whether in person, he leads us all, he works through us all, and he lives in us all. That's an amazing privilege. Now, the question is this. You might say, ah, God is not working through me. Now, if God's word says that he works through us all, the problem is not God. This is not a condemning message. See it as a liberating message. If the problem is not God, you can change and say, hey, God, if there's something I'm missing with regards to you working through me, help me see this so that I can have you work through me because he desires to work through you. Amen. Ephesians 4 verse 3 from the King James says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Endeavoring is a, is a, is a very active word. It's a persistent word, endeavoring. Do not stop. Do not quit at this. At this what? What thing do we need to endeavor? Endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Ephesians uh, 46 from a message says, you were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God, and father of all who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. Amen. Now the question is this. Is it possible to be in agreement about everything? Just think about that quickly. Everyone sitting here this morning, 
Is it possible to be in 100% agreement about everything? If you are married, you would know. It is impossible. <laughs> it is impossible to be in agreement about everything. But the scripture is not asking us to be in agreement about everything. The scripture is highlighting specific things that there's a call to be in agreement and keep the unity of the spirit about. I'm going to come back to the, the example illustration of marriage in a moment. Let's look at the one things listed here in Ephesians 4. The one things that we are called to be in agreement about. The one things. One body. We're not Grace Life and then we've, the, all of the other churches in the world. We're one body. It's one church. Yes, we've got different uh, pictures of the church uh, uh, kind of demonstrating how they want to outflow the gospel and all of those things. But ultimately, it's one body. It's one church. It's one spirit. There aren't various spirits. It's one Holy Spirit with one purpose on his heart. What is that? To reach the world with the love of Christ. It's one hope. We're not hoping in various things. There's one hope that we've got, and it's the coming and the returning of Jesus Christ to bring into fruition everything that has been promised. If you're hoping in something else, something other than the eternal promise of God's spirit, and the manifestation of fullness of body, soul, and spirit one day, if your hope is in anything other than that, your hope is going to be deferred. And what does Proverbs says? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. I'm not going to use any examples right now because I'm going to step on toes. There's one hope that we are called to focus in on, and it's the hope of Christ, His spirit in us. One Lord, Jesus Christ. One faith. One baptism, not various baptisms, one baptism that is ultimately important, the one into the family of God. Romans talks about we are baptized into Christ. We are baptized into the family of God. One God, our Father. Now, on the topic of baptism, within the body of Christ, there's 500 different views of baptism. If you just look at the one on water baptism, for example, there's various views on water baptism, how you should do it, when you should do it, all of those things. The body of Christ is not going to agree on water baptism. But we can agree on the baptism into the family of Christ. These are the one things that we are called to be in agreement upon and focus in on and build forward from these things. There are a lot of things that the body of Christ differs on and we need to make it our goal to build on what we see as the same and what the scripture illuminates to us here in Ephesians. Within this context, it doesn't just make sense that we are to jump from one church family to the next, looking for the perfect church, agreeing with everything that we agree on. This is not what this context is talking about. Too often people jump from one church family to the next church family looking for perfect agreement. We all just identified it is impossible. Stop trying that because you are going to unplug yourself from one church family to the next church family. Never being a blessing to that family to the degree that God is calling you to. Challenging message this morning, right? A challenging word is a good word. A good word is a challenging word. We are called to be in unity about these things and move forward on these matters and let God show us in heaven one day what all of the other things were really about and who was right and who was wrong. The awesome thing about heaven one day, those things aren't going to matter. Why? Because it's, Who's going to worry about who was right and who was wrong? 
Now let's look at some popular scriptures in closing. And I said, uh, we're going to travel through this with speed and please make notes and uh, go and meditate further on these scriptures. Let's look on some popular scriptures on the topic of unity because the word here in Ephesians is talking about agreement. It's talking about unity. But then we see scriptures talking about unity and then it kind of creates this picture that if we're not in agreement about everything, then it's not going to work out. Amos 3.3, can, can two work can two walk together except they be agreed? Can two walk together except they be agreed? Man, this is a loaded statement. Because in marriage, we just identified, every married couple here can identify that we don't agree on everything. Yet, do you walk together? You are walking together. Because you are agreeing on essential matters, the matters of life and death. Matthew 12, 25, Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. Now, the context here specifically was Jesus uh, uh, delivering a demonized man. And then uh, the scribes, the Pharisees, was accusing him as, of doing it in a, 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 in a specific uh, dem demonic um, manifestation. And then Jesus comes up with it. This doesn't make sense because a kingdom divided against itself is, if Jesus was operating under the leading of Satan, casting out the demon of Satan is in the vision towards Satan and the plans of Satan, right? So that is the context that is being uh, illustrated here. And so the question again is, there are heaven and hell issues. And then there are issues that aren't heaven and hell, that aren't issues of essential eternal matters. And so we need to realize that we need to keep the unity and be in agreement on the essential matters. Psalm 133, verse 1 to 3. Behold how good and how pleasant it is. This is awesome, and I wish I could spend some more time on this specific psalm. It's a short psalm, three verses. The words here, good and pleasant, are both, it's emphasis on something. Something can be good, but not pleasant. Gym is good for you, right? Sometimes it's not pleasant, right? Exercise is good for you, but it's not always pleasant. Then you get things that are pleasant, but aren't always good. Oftentimes, a lot of sin is pleasant, but it's not good for you. Behold how good and how pleasant. There's emphasis on this. Emphasis on what? It is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Now, together in unity is the same Greek word. It's the same root word. So again, there's an emphasis on this unity, this togetherness. The word dwelling is to be married to, to live together. Now, the awesome thing with unity and our togetherness as a focus for this Thanksgiving celebration is that in the spirit, we are as one as we'll ever be. There's nothing that can separate our unity from one another. But then it goes on to explain something in a, in a physical way. And it says, illustrating this, it is like the precious ointment poured on the head that ran down on the beard, even the beard of Aaron, the first high priest that came down upon the collar and skirts of his garments, consecrating the whole body. It is like the dew of lofty Mount Hermon and the dew that comes on the hills of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, even life forevermore upon the high and the lowly. This is awesome. So here's a picture and it's an illustration. And Aaron was anointed 
And the picture of oil and the, the anointing of oil is the spirit of God. Each one of you has got the spirit of God. You don't need to get anointed with anything. You anointed with the spirit. You anointed with the best anointment you'll ever receive. It's God's spirit. Now, the awesome thing with this unity is it starts off with someone who focuses in on, builds on, and casts the vision that this is our unity. From the top down through to the bottom. Because the oil ran from his head down to his, to his uh, uh, collar and down to his skirts all the way to the bottom. We need to realize that as leaders, and all of us have got a capacity of leading, we need to keep the main thing the main thing because it's going to rub off on the others. The new and the faith. You've got a responsibility as a leader, as someone who's stepping into more maturity. Because all of us have got leadership in us. It's our DNA. God created us to lead. Whether you like it or not, you are called to be the light, to be the salt. Light changes. Light sets up something. Salt brings change into an environment. That's leadership. That's influence. Now you are deciding what you're doing with that leadership, what you're doing with your influence. The call is to use our leadership and our influence to keep the unity, to keep this togetherness. Because it is pleasant, it is good when we're keeping the main thing, the main thing. And we are joined to the spirit. Then it goes on to uh, illustrate, uh, I won't get into too much, the, the Mount of Hermon, the deer uh, comes down from Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. The blessing is in the unity that we have. The blessing is in the spirit of God in man and the spirit of God among man with one another. And if we keep that as the main thing, man, are we going to see a manifestation of the power of God in our community and through our church? Because there's the blessing of God within the believers that are keeping the unity live forevermore. It's not something mystical. Ephesians 4 verse 3 from the King James again. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. When we keep the main thing, the union that we share in the spirit as our ultimate focus, none of the other things will matter. But too often we want to get sidetracked on the things that we differ upon and we cannot build on the things that we see the same as. This is our bond of peace and strength, the unity we share in the spirit. Not the unity we share in what you think about that doctrine, what you think about that doctrine. It's the unity that we share in the spirit. There lies our strength. There lies the blessing of God and life forevermore. If the family can't agree upon a non-essential matters that doesn't impact eternity and our fruitfulness in reaching the last, then there's no need to abandon ship or find a new family. I'm going to say that again. If the family can't agree upon non-essential matters, matters that's not listed even in Ephesians chapter 4, that don't impact eternity and our fruitfulness of reaching the last, then there's no need to abandon ship and find a new family. You guys know what is the smallest reason for people leaving church family? God said. People leave for church family for 500 different reasons. And oftentimes they labeled as God said. And God blessed those people. Because at least they said God said. But in reality, it's because of things that don't hold any weight in light of eternity. 
the rate of divorce would be much higher if people left their spouses for reasons that hold no weight in the fruitfulness of their marriage. I'm using divorce and marriage as, a, as an illustration. The awesome thing with, with me is I, I, I've left one church family so far, and it wasn't because of any offense that I took or I didn't agree with what they agreed upon. It was God calling me to a new season. That season was at Grace Life, and it's been an amazing eight years, no, 11 years now, uh, a few less in, in, in full-time ministry as a, um, as a, as a minister within in the church. And I, I'm not planning to abandon this ship. And maybe you're saying, yeah, oh, it's easy for you to say because you're the pastor. No, I've had things that I had to push aside that I was in disagreement about matters because those matters weren't essential to my fruitfulness and living out my purpose as a child of God. God's heart is for family. Psalm 68, coming to a close, verse 6, God's, God places the solitary in families and gives the desolate a home in which to dwell. He leads the prisoners out to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. The word rebellious here, the strongs define as to turn away, stubbornness, withdrew, or withdrawing. God doesn't call the solitary into family and then there's conflict or there's difference of opinions and there's disagreement and then he, pull, he calls us to pull out of family just to be in a, a season of solitary again, to be placed into family again. That doesn't seem right. The rebellious, the ones turning away in stubbornness, withdrawing, dwell in a parched land. That gives me a picture of a, a tree planted by in an area where there's no water, there's no source of life. What happens to a tree that is uprooted continually? What growth is it going to show? You plant the tree in this swirl and then you're like, okay, no, it's not working well. You're uprooted. You're going to plant it in that area again. And then you uproot it again. You plant it in another area. What growth is that tree going to show? Not much growth. 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 to 8 says, As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you, but instead, we were like children among you. This is awesome. The apostles were like children. That's a picture of humility. It's a picture of meekness. Or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared not with you only God's good news, but our lives too. This is so beautiful. God's call for the gospel is not just to be a message that is declared that it is alive to be lived out, not just in sharing, but in bringing in and having communion with one another. It wasn't just for Paul and them. It wasn't just about declaring a message, bringing an amazing word to the table and then leaving town. There was a care for one another. There was a oneness that was shared. Too often in this day, People love to preach the word. They love to teach the word. They love to share their amazing revelation. But there's no real concern to care for the people that they're sharing the word with. At least they're sharing their amazing revelation, right? That's not God's heart for the gospel. The gospel is to be shared in word, but also in life. They gave their lives to the community. 2 Corinthians 12 14 to 15 again. And now, yeah, I am ready to come to you for the third time and still 
I refuse to be a burden to you for what I really want is your hearts, not your money. Your hearts, not your money. After all, children should not have to accumulate resources for their parents, but parents, uh, this for their children. And as a spiritual father to you, I'll gladly spend all that I have and all that I am for you. I love you more when you respond by loving me less. This is such a beautiful picture of, of love and care. And spiritual fathering has become quite an oppressing uh, um, thing within the body of Christ. And a very misunderstood thing. All of us are called to father. All of us are called to mother. It's caring for one another. It's a heart to care for one another. It's a heart to share our lives with one another. 1 Corinthians 4, 14 to 15. I'm not writing all this as a neighborhood scold just to make you feel rotten. I'm writing as a father to you, my children. I love you and want you to grow up well, not spoiled. There are a lot of people around who can't wait to tell you what you're doing wrong. But there aren't many fathers willing to take the time and effort to help you grow up. It was as Jesus helped me proclaim God's message to you that I became your father. And this is awesome how the messages illustrate this. Again, focusing on the father, the, 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 the family element. And Paul's desire was not just to kind of point out people's wrongs. It was to point out Christ in them and to walk with them. It wasn't just like, okay, cool, he comes into town, he shares a powerful message, super challenging, and then he leaves town and they never see him again. No. There are many fathers willing to take, there aren't many fathers willing to take the time and effort to help you grow up. Say grow up with me quickly. Now say it like you mean it. Good stuff. Grow up. Grow up. I'm saying it to myself now, guys. I'm not saying it to you. Um, but if the shoe fits, then put it on, right? Um, no, all of us can mature more, can grow up more. Amen. But it's going to take some community as well. It's going to take some doing life together with one another too. And growing up. But it's about doing life together in the word of God. Closing passage, Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 from the Passion. Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. Some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. This is awesome. Creative ways of encouraging others. Motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. The greatest expression of love, the greatest act of compassion. Think about that before I give you the answer. What is the greatest act of love, the greatest demonstration of love, of compassion that you can give someone else? The five-letter word. Start with a capital J. Jesus, if you give someone Jesus, the gospel of Christ, and if you help them grow in Jesus, it's the greatest demonstration of love that you can give to someone. How much of that are you giving to the people around you? That's a question. Think about it. 
And there you were sitting thinking, hey, if I just like, if I'm just a nice person, then it's, I'm, I'm, that's not amazing love. Someone shared a testimony recently of a family members of there who's got a, a awesome friend at work. This friend is a Muslim and they just don't want to offend this, this Muslim friend of theirs by sharing the gospel with them because they're enjoying their friendship so much. And it's all like, it's just, it's amazing. They, they, they're sharing meals together and they just laugh together. They have fun together. If that Muslim friend of theirs dies, they're going to spend eternity without knowing the love of Christ. So you're not very loving towards that Muslim friend of yours by not sharing Jesus and the love of Christ with them. Eternity is at stake. Let's keep the unity of the spirit by focusing on what is truly important. And let's not withdraw for all of the reasons not listed in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 25, last point. This is not the time to pull away. That's one thing. And neglect meeting together. That's another thing. I want to encourage you guys as much as possible to meet together. When we have meetings, when we do things, it's not for the sake of keeping our, our, our diaries busy. It's for the sake of the body coming together, encouraging one another, sharpening one another, building up one another. But I also want to encourage you to not pull away. Pull away is talking about pulling away from the family for various reasons. There are people who are pulling away from, and then they're pulling closer, pulling away from, from one church family to the next church family to the next church family. This was prophesied about hundreds of years ago. We need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently. This is not the time to pull away. As some have formed the habit of doing. It's become a habit for people within the body of Christ. The statistics are crazy of how often people move from one church to the next church to the next church to the next church. The stats are horrific. Now, by all means, if God calls you, then go. But don't go for the wrong reasons because it's not God's desire for you to go for the wrong reasons. To keep the unity of the Spirit by focusing on what is truly important and the one that is mentioned and encouraged in Ephesians chapter 4. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.